Welcome to Creation Conversations with Joe Hubbard and John Mackay. Join us each week as we answer your questions and common objections to the Bible, creation, and Noah's flood. We hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are around the world, joining us once again for Creation Conversations, where we are going to be dealing with some perhaps slightly controversial topics today. Um, with me, we've got our international director, of course, John Mackay. It's good to see you again, John. G'day, mate. How are you over there? Not too bad. I mean, it's it's fairly wet, it's fairly windy, it's fairly wild over here. Um, in fact, I we're sort of travelling down today to uh, Essex. We're on sort of a, a family holiday. We're allowed to go on holiday now, John, uh, here in the UK. We're slowly coming out of lockdown. Um, in fact, the, the caravan site which we're staying on is actually featured in one of Creation Research's research books. Um, in, so, yeah, in... That's the one. Tides, Mites, Fossil Fights. Um, there's a, a wonderful railway bridge just on the outskirts, which has got a lovely stalactite growing in it. So we'll be uh, keeping you updated about that, and we'll be showing you way, some more. Book over there in England, can't they? They certainly can get the book over here. Um, let's and just put this up here. Uh, where are we going? Creation Research. There's the website there. Creation Research. Um, Dot net. Uh, you can find links to the UK shop, to the USA shop, and to, of course, the Australian shop as well. But on the way down here today, John, um, we pulled over into a place called Lackford Lakes, which is just into Sussex, uh, sorry, um, Suffolk, um, on East Anglia, on the east coast of the UK. And I took this video earlier. Let me just put this up to, to show everybody. So you saw that little white bird flying about in the in the sort of the the came to the close to the front and then flew to the back. Um, that is actually an uh, Arctic tern, and we have a. Can you hear me now, John? Have you lost I you? Can hear you, but not as well uh, as I could before. So let me move my microphone. My, we're we're playing with temperamental Wi-Fi here today. Let's move that a bit closer. Is that better? Yes, that's better. That's good. Um, so you saw the little bird sort of flying around. Uh, that was actually an Arctic tern which we uh, have occasionally stay over here in the UK. Most of them go north to sort of uh, Canada and up to the top of um, Siberia. But they're a, they're a wonderful little bird. I think they're really, really pretty. Um, but this is what it was actually doing. It was on its migration route. Now, the uh, Arctic tern is remarkable because it loves a bit of sunlight um and it in fact actually has more daylight or experiences more daylight than any other creature on the planet and it does this or manages this because it will actually make a 12,000 mile or 19,000 kilometer journey uh from the north pole to the south pole every single year now not only is that a phenomenal feat for a tiny little bird what's even more remarkable is how it actually manages to do that because scientists have uh, they've done different experiments and um it's actually found out that it uses the earth's magnetic field so it's basically got a little gps system in its brain which can uh, actually control and help it know where it is and how it needs to get somewhere and where it needs to go and so they make this sort of circular route from the north to south pole uh, every single year which i thought was absolutely absolutely fantastic so that's what i've been up to uh, anything exciting on your side of the world well, we've had a very busy week at Jurassic Ark. You know, we put up our new 
um, protection sheds and we're trying uh -huh. to cash in as much as we can on on the time we've got to dig up the brand new fossils and get them on display before yeah. we have a big open day later this year. So it's been a pretty down to earth, literally, uh, <laughs> week for us here at Jurassic Ark in Australia. That's great. That's great. Well, um, something that's been in the news quite a lot recently um, has been all of this conflict that's been going on between uh, Palestine um, and Israel and what is the sort of biblical picture. And it's, it's rather astonishing the amount of... Um, Christians and even pastors who really, you know, they have very, very strong opinions either one way or another, but it's very easy to make a lot of mistakes and very easy to believe a lot of sort of uh, misconceptions about what's going on over there. So we thought we'd, we'd, we'd talk about it today. Um, this this photo I'm just going to put up before we sort of dive in has been hailed the uh, photo of the year, um, showing the uh, the two sort of, whoops, there we go, showing the, the two sides of the conflict. On the right-hand side, what you have is the Hamas rockets, which are sort of being fired uh, relatively indiscriminately, as you can see, just towards Israel there. And then on the left-hand side, what you've got is you've got the Israel, Israel defense system, the Israel defense uh, rockets, which kind of look like they're going all over the place but what they're doing is using a really high-tech um navigation system to try and counter those rockets and missiles as they're as they're sort of coming over so it really sort of puts into perspective the way that these two different nations are, are dealing with this crisis but um john let's let's take us back to basics what are some of your thoughts on this well just a general comment that, that picture brings to mind that the um Arab rockets there, that the ones coming from Gaza are using Iranian technology put together more cheaply in Gaza, and the <laughs> ones on the left are high-tech, smart uh, American yeah. Jewish uh, weapons put together rather expensively, and it's very evident which one is winning. But of course, what's the solution to this? More importantly, what's the cause? And yeah. one thing that always impressed me in creation research is when you read your Bible from cover to cover, and this was before I set up creation research. Some of you know, I started reading the Bible from page one. And as you follow that through, you'll find that everything in scripture follows the follows this pattern. Where something comes from tells you what it means. What it means tells you what it's worth. What it's worth tells you what you'll do with it. Or the origin of something gives you a real understanding, gives you its meaning. So when you ask, what is the origin of this conflict? And most people would say, oh, it's the Arabs giving too much money or weapons or oil resources to the people in Gaza. Or it's the Americans throwing smart weapons. That's the only solution. None of which has anything to do with the real cause of the problem at all. The real cause of the problem goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 16. Uh, yeah. Of course, starting a little earlier, you have the first man, Adam. But Adam wasn't a Jew. You have his descendant Abraham. And surprise, surprise, if you evangelicals out there, Abraham wasn't a Jew either, and yeah. neither was Noah. There's no Jews on the planet until a person called Judah comes along. And his descendants are the people that you and I call the Jewish race. Yeah. Okay, so there's your history of the race there in terms of the Jews. But the Bible has a real emphasis on the history of the Arabs as well. So we picked out a verse from Genesis 16, which I think you've got on PowerPoint there. I've got it up here, yes. Let's just... Yeah, uh, 
pop it up here. So this is the uh, yeah, this is the Genesis yeah. sixteen verse. Yeah. So you remember Abraham had been promised by God that he would be given a child. Now, when we're reading Genesis sixteen, we tend to forget that Abraham and Sarah are way past childbearing age. I mean, we're talking uh. about ninety to a hundred, right? Um, and Sarah, by the way, is still good looking. Uh, it's hard to imagine a world today <laughs> where a 90 year old woman can sort of stimulate Pharaoh to get, get excited by her. But uh, there's, there's a problem. The promise has been made by God quite a while ago, but Sarah still has no child. And Sarah, uh -huh. Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. What's the next part of the verse there? And Sarah said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of his wife. Now, as surprising as you might find that, this was fairly common in the ancient Middle East. Doesn't make it right. But in reality, no. Abraham listens to Sarah. And the end result is Ishmael, the founder of the Arabs. And God made a promise to the child of Hagar when she's out in the desert. Remember, right at the start there, Sarah suggests this, Hagar gets pregnant, and then the women start, hey, I can have a baby, I can have a baby, you can't. And there's a dis they, they start to despise one another. And uh -huh. Sarah complains and says, get rid of this mate. Well, it was her suggestion in the first place, right? <laughs> now you've got a conflict in the house. Abraham really does what his, his wife says, puts Hagar out, but the Lord listens to Ishmael. Now, in the naming picture, we need to remember his name Ishmael means the Lord will hear him. Yeah. Right now, you and I need to remember the origin of something gives its meaning. Where it comes from tells you what you'll do with it. What you'll do with it governs your future decisions. And the Lord God ensured this guy would have a name. The Lord will listen. And he promised him to be a great nation. I think but I've got that Bible verse up as well there. Yeah, Genesis 21. Yeah. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. So here we have some promises. We have Abraham promised a baby. We have Sarah giving up on God's promise. So she has refused to believe what God says. Abraham listens to his wife instead of listening to God. Right. And he takes Sarah's maid and has a baby. And God promised that he would make this this ancestor of the Arabs into a great nation. And so part of this conflict, I, I'll make just a sort of a, a temporary point here, Joseph, and you can continue on a little yeah. bit. God promised he would make um, Ishmael a great nation. And if you wanted to make any point out of the Middle East, the Arabs have become a great and numerous nation. God has kept his promise to Ishmael. Of course, the conflict is also there, and that's what occupies our news time our rocket firing, etc. Hmm. And it's it's interesting as well that um, you know the, the God never promised to Abraham that he, you know he um, Isaac and Jacob and then eventually Israel would be a, produce a great nation. They, they you can see the kind of the the that that interesting salvation 
um, message woven through because obviously that goes back to uh, Genesis and God promising the seed which would crush the serpent's head and so on and so forth and that the uh, descendants of Abraham would be as many as the stars and as many as the sand, grains of sand and uh, you know you can see the seed that would come through the promise to Abraham the, sal- the salvation the savior but it's specifically to Ishmael that he promises I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it really, you know, so many people, I think, especially from the, 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 the Christian background, they, they think the Bible says something or they've heard all their life that the Bible should say something or ought to say something, but very rarely do they go back and actually read it. And I love your testimony because, correct me if I'm wrong, but you became a Christian by reading a book by an atheist. Is that right? Yeah. And so when you, and you came from an atheistic background? Came from a, a, a non-church background. Yeah. In my day, look at my age. I'm a living dinosaur. <laughs> in my day, the whole of Australian society had a Christian mentality. Mm-hmm. Up until our Attorney General Gareth Evans betrayed everybody and turned us into a technical non-Christian country. So we all had exposure to the ethos of Christianity. Yeah. With 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 no knowledge of necessity. But in in looking at our history, it reminds me of the history issue here. Remember the point I made where something comes from tells you what it means? Abraham disobeyed God. There's sin right at the start. The end result has now thousands of years later, there's still sin, murder, killing, political power, uh, people being rejected simply on the basis of their race, right? In fact, if you look at the the issue, we, we were here first, says the Arabs. And the Jews say, but God promised it to us, right? And we're going to take it back. We'll shoot you. And the Arabs say, no, we'll use our rockets. And they borrow it from Iran and the oil money that you and I and the West have made the Arabs a great nation with. But we might put up the statement about God's land rights that he gave to the people of Israel because it really helps. Remember the point? The origin of something gives it its meaning. Those of you who listened to me for years have probably got almost bored of me saying that but you can't get away from it. Where something comes from tells you what it means. So I put up the issue at the end of uh, um, Genesis chapter 15, and I've got it written in front of me here. It I says, don't think I've got that typed up, I'm afraid, no, but uh, read ahead, go ahead. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark behind a smoking furnace, in that same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying unto you and your seed, I have given this land. And then he goes on to spell out where from. From the river of Egypt. Remember how Moses had left it? It was going to be leaving Egypt in the future. And it would be from the the wadi of Egypt right down in the south. Right up. And he then qualifies where it will be. And he mentions certain races that were already there or certain nations. And it was a promise given to Abraham and to his seed. Now, they were not in any position to take it over there because there was only a a handful of them. So they didn't inherit that promise just yet. But most of us, when we read that, we think, okay, Abraham, Abraham had a seed. Abraham's seed is actually Isaac, right? Mm. Uh, But in reality, he also had Ishmael. So there's the starting of a real conflict here because they're fighting over land. That's, That's for starters. God promised Abraham's seed. Okay, now you've got to remember, too, that there's a bigger picture here. Uh, Those of you who are really concerned about the issue in the Middle East, what causes war and fighting amongst you? Oh, that's 
that's a quote from the New Testament that's applied to the Christians. Yeah. And it says, what causes war and fighting amongst you, the Christians, is your jealous, is your, your, your evil thoughts. You want money, you want land, you want wealth. And he said, you need to get back to Christ. So if you're concerned about the Middle East, can I encourage you? I know many Christians love ministry to Israel as I do, right? And, and it's really been a burden on many of us in creation research, but I do hope you love to minister to Abraham's seed as well, which is Ishmael. So if you're going to share the gospel with the, uh, with the Jews, make sure you share the gospel with the Arabs because there's the real conflict. Sin with Abraham, disobedience to God, and now we're thousands of years down the track. Yeah. Principle, you fathers out there, make sure you obey God because one little error on your part can cause trouble for thousands of years. Just look at broken families. I mean, the sociologists tell us that if, if dad's an alcoholic, then it's liable to be four or five generations before even that's eliminated. You know, Which is itself, it's mentioned in the Bible, the fact that the, the sins of the fathers pass down the generations. It's, it's right. something that we see today. It's, it's real. Yeah, so you have to deal with the real cause of the conflict, which is not the politics. That's the consequence. The real yeah. cause of the conflict is not just, I own this land, I own that land, I got money from or whatever. The real cause of the conflict is sin. It started with Adam. It shows up in Abraham. And look at the tragic results, uh, you know, 3,000 years since Abraham yeah. started. And, I, you know, I, the reason I love your testimony is because coming from an atheistic background, you didn't know that you were supposed to start the Bible halfway through the New Testament. So so you opened it at the first page like you would in the book and you read from beginning to end. And I think that's important. You can see how God sort of used that uh, in, in sort of bringing him, you to himself because it really is in Genesis that you find not just the foundation for the Christian faith, but also the answer to the reason why we're in the mess we're in today. I mean, we're geologists. We like to dig up rocks. We often uh, talk about Charles Lyell and his, you know, the present is the key to the past and everything you see around us today can explain stuff in the, in the past. But the reality is completely the opposite. What happened in the past revealed to us uh, by God's grace in God's word explains the reason why we're in the position from us today, not just the ongoing conflicts in the Middle East, which happened because, uh, you know, a man decided to listen to his wife instead of God. God, but also going right back to the beginning when uh, Eve was deceived, Adam chose to disobey the only commandment which God had given him, and as a result, we're in the mess that we're in today. Take that away, and you just can't really make sense of the rest of the Bible or indeed the world around you. Can I make a point here, Joseph? Because when we look at that verse to Abraham and his seed, mm. that's a verse that's picked up way over in the New Testament where the author specifically says, to seed singular right? yeah. and makes a whole point that this is about Jesus Christ. So when you look at your Bible, our physical history is designed by God and you must never run away from a sovereign God and his overriding plan. You and I get caught up yeah. with predestination, free will and forget that to us they're in conflict. To God, there's no problem at all. So he's taking a promise to Abraham and is applying it hey, Jesus Christ is going to come. He's going to first come to his people, the Jews, and they've rejected him. Oh, another sin. And look at the consequences of that sin with mm -hmm. conflict with so many other people. Yeah. So you want to apply that. If his seed is going to inherit the land, then you Christians better get on your 
on your feet, get on your horses, get in your motor cars, get in your, your aeroplane and make sure that Jesus Christ is announced and pronounced and proclaimed as the only solution to the land because the promise is actually about him, right? Amen. To his seed, you will have this land. So you and I need to take a far bigger view than just, oh, the Arabs versus the Jews again. It's going to cost us a fortune. Let's send Donald Trump. No, that'll cause more problems. Let's send Mr. Biden. No one's solving anything at all. You know, um, so, so we, we get caught up in the trivialities rather than seeing the big picture. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's throw a quick curveball in because we've got a couple of questions come through. So we'll we'll dive onto that in a minute, and we've got our question of the week, of course. But let's just throw a curveball in because you were speaking to a uh, to uh, I think it was a pastor the other day who mentioned something about the Philistines and Palestine and Israel, and it seemed to be a bit confusing. So do you want to just give us sort of the background of what the question was because it ties in. I mean, we're all about in creation research connecting the dots, and this ties in really nicely not just with what we're dealing with. Um, it's sort of here today with our issue of Palestine and Israel and the conflict, but also ties into the issue of race. And is there only one race? Are there many races? And also ties into that far bigger picture of being created in the image of God, fallen, and the need of an actual saviour. So just uh, give us give us a brief rundown. Yeah. Well, a pastor, um, bless his heart, who really was concerned about the conflict, said none of this would have happened if Joshua had killed off all the Philistines. Right. right. Now, I remember uh, Joshua is commanded to go in the land and clean it up from all the pagan uh-huh. and Canaanite uh-huh. practices that were there. Now, you and I say, oh, that's euthanasia, that's racial persecution, that's discrimination, that's... Well, in the reality, it was God's judgment. Joshua did not reach that conclusion on the basis of his own thoughts. God came and said, I'm giving you the land. He'd already promised Abraham... And he's now telling Abraham's offspring, the descendants of Abraham, the descendants of Shem, the descendants of Isaac, the descendants of Judah, right? Uh He's keeping his promise and he says, here's what you need to do, right? Now, Joshua didn't do it, but it wasn't the Philistines that he didn't kill off. It was the Canaanites. Yeah, right. there's a confusion there. Yeah, there's a confusion there for a start. The Canaanites are the descendants of Cain. And rather, that is one of Noah's sons by a hand. Okay, so they have nothing to do with the Arabs at all. Neither do the Philistines. You don't need to do too much history. Go and Google Philistine, and you'll probably find sea-dwelling people coming from Crete, most probably, or in the um, Mediterranean area somewhere. Yeah. They have nothing to do with um, Ishmael at all. They are not the problem referred to back in Genesis 15 and 16. So bless his heart, Joshua should have done what God told him to, but now there's a second sin which will trouble the people of Israel for a long, long time. Long time. So, but that is a separate people group. It's a separate race. Separate and race and good word. That's the thing. Well, this is the thing, because people get all caught up with racism and politics. And again, just like we've done here today with, uh, you know, start with the Bible, make sure we start having the Bible as our starting point, um, start at the beginning as well and move forward. And you've got to ask the question, you know, race has got so caught up in politics, particularly in the US. It's got so caught up with uh, Darwinism, particularly in the creationist movement. They're sort of attributing Darwin to the founder of racism and so on and so forth. And there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Darwin's idea 
ideas were racist, but he certainly wasn't the first racist, uh, you know, idea uh, person to have a racist idea about evolution because the Greeks also believed in a natural selection evolution type form where they had evolved out of better quality slime than the Jews had. So <laughs> racism goes way, 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 way back. But it's interesting this this question of race because race has become a taboo word um, in and around sort of Christian circles and creation circles. But if you trace it back, race comes from the Hebrew. If you trace the linguistics back, it's the Hebrew word of Rosh. Rosh means head. Right? It's also a scientific word, which is the smallest distinguishable unit of a species. And what you find interesting, this whole claim of, you know, oh, God only made one race. Now, God made one kind. He made humankind. There's a, there's a difference between kind and race. And um, trace it all the way back, and you find that the origin of races, the origin of the heads, is the 70-odd people groups that got sent out at the Tower of Babel. So you have 70 different Roshas or 70 different races being sent out, and therefore the Hellenes, who are having trouble with the Hebrews in, uh, in, in Acts, are from a different Rosh than the ones that the Hebrews belong to. And yeah, so therefore the, the Canaanites are different as well. The Hebrews' Rosh is Abraham. Yes. Right? But so is the Arab Rosh. Exactly. Right? So they yeah. both have the same foundation. But if you want to talk to the two groups today, there's enough differences for us to identify them separately as they do themselves, right? Exactly. Now, yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. Arab, are you a Jew? No way, right? If you <laughs> talk to... I, I've got a, a friend who's a Jewish uh, Christian. He became a, a, a Christian... Uh, and and he would deny being a member of the Arab racial group. Uh, you see, the Jewish people have a hereditary genetic problem called Tay-Sachs disease, which one of the descendants of Abraham, it's a genetic defect. And I, I had to do three years of genetics to find out about how living things work. So you can actually classify them on the basis of this difference. And it's enough to tell you if someone exactly. comes to you well, they've got Tay-Sachs disease, you know they are descended from Abraham via Judah, not Abraham via Ishmael. So there are real races there, real racial groups, real family groups, but just as family groups today fight, yeah, they do, don't they, Joseph? Uh, they, they do in the Bible on a bigger scale right down to our present day. So again, the solution is, are you Christians wanting this land to belong to Jesus as God promised to Abraham and mm -hmm. his seed? Because only then will the one family of man be united in oneness in Christ. There is no other solution to this Middle Eastern problem. All descended from Adam, all marred by sin, no longer in the perfect image of God, and all in desperate need of a saviour. And that's the real message of, of, of the gospel. I've put up the website there, askjohnmackay.com. Um, if you if you found uh, it controversial or challenging or confusing what we've been going on about race, there's a very well-written, very, very, very detailed and in-depth article on there about race, one race, many races. Uh, if you go back on our YouTube site as well, you can find a two or three hour long webinar which we did with myself john and also dr diane eager um that's well worth a watch so go have a look at that i think we've got enough time to squeeze in a couple of questions here um uh john let's start with uh, this one from neil um he says you can see it up on the screen there didn't god also say that the descendants of ishmael and isaac would never be at peace with each other um well let's put it this way that statement happens to be true for every people group on the planet, yeah. right? Until you come to Christ, right? So when you become a descendant of Jesus Christ, now 
I, I happen to know how uh, one Lebanese man, an Arab, right, came and gave a testimony, and it was a wonderful testimony. Uh-huh. You know how the scripture says in the last days God will pour out his spirit? Yeah, so this and Joel, really yeah. Wealthy, right? And uh, he, he, he was walking past a Christian church in Lebanon. Now, a Muslim traditionally will have nothing to do with a church in Lebanon, but Islam is a political system, and as far as he was concerned, it had not produced any peace. You can't know Allah. You can't know if you're going to be saved. It's a grand lottery depending on, you know, the God. Uh, there's only a God singular, so there's no person that you can love at all in Islam. There's justice. There's no mercy, etc., etc. right? Now, he was walking past the church, and he told me, literally said, I walked past this church and I pondered, is this the real God? And so I said, and I spoke it out. He said, if you're real, show me, right? If you're real, tell me. And he said, I heard a voice. Remember how the scripture says, I'll pour out my spirit? I heard a voice saying, I am. Now, it, it brings me to tears, right? Because he heard that and this miraculous event took him into the church where from the scriptures, he learned about the history of his own people and the problem of his own people, the Arabs, is that sin is the issue from Adam. Sin is the issue from Abraham. Sin is the issue uh, that's causing the conflict at the moment. And the only solution is Jesus Christ. Now he is very happy to walk alongside of a Jewish Christian and to actually tell people a real solution to our peace is only Jesus, regardless of the fact that our nations will never be at peace. They'll always be fighting over what part of the land promise do I get? That's not going to work, guys. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful testimony. Well, we've reached our sort of 30-minute mark, but let's sneak in one last question. Let's sneak in our question of the week, and we're going to th- we're gonna completely change the topic here, um, but that's all right. Like I say, the, you know, where will the conversation go? Only God knows. So um, let's, let's throw in this one for our question of the week, because this came into creation research recently. Um, what about structural adaptation? I'm being forced to teach this in my primary school uh, and using examples like the camel's hump, for instance. What's the background to this question, John? Okay, well, a teacher came to me and asked this specifically. They wanted guidance as to what they should do in the classroom. So two things. One is it was for year four, right down the bottom. They are hammering evolution uh, before the kids can even comprehend what's called the science of it. So there's first point. Second point. She was absolutely confused because many Christians say God designed the camel to live in the desert. Mm-hmm. Now, God designed the camel for sure. But if you take the big picture, there was no deserts. Yeah. When God made Adam and Eve, the weather was superb. There's no hint of summer or heat where you're going to get drought and no rain until the end of Noah's flood, Genesis 8:22. So there's no possibility of deserts in that first world. Uh, now, unlike many of you people in England, I've ridden a camel. We've got lots of them left in Australia from the <laughs> day when the camel really was the ship of the desert here. Yeah. And the uh, traders had bought them in and they used them very successfully. They are a terrible, I mean, you've got to hold on to the hump and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. But one of the things <laughs> you discover is their hump doesn't actually store water. It stores food, yeah. right? And it can be metabolized to get the water out of it. So it can go a long time without a drink in the desert. But it works just as well outside the desert, right? 
I've got them living up the road. They're doing really wonderfully well in the beautiful green lush countryside here. It's not a problem for them. So here's what you're really looking at. God designs a camel with the ability to store food. Mm -hmm. But once the land starts to dry out, it does not adapt to survive in the desert. It's already able to survive in the desert, even if there was no desert, but other creatures aren't. So as yeah. the camels begin to continue there, the other animals will die out or preferably they'll leave. And we say, oh, hasn't the camel adapted? No, the camel has just showed up an ability it already had. So I think, Joseph, there's enough questions as we should actually do a whole program. And there's not just one issue, but it's I think so. Yeah, because of the curriculum. And it's it's not just the you know it's not just the camel's hump either. There's there's example after example after example um, of that which is being used, and it also ties into this whole sort of you know why would God create something with vicious sharp teeth that was designed to eat meat? Well, no, he didn't. He created sharp teeth, which is uh, you know you know how the animal eats, you just don't know what he eats. So there's a whole you know we can bring so many different aspects to it. And so I think we need to do whether it's next time or in the next week or two, um, let's do. Uh, do one specifically on structural adaptation we can see because i think actually correct me if i'm wrong is is diane eager coming up to your office yeah. soon diane will be up next week so we can we can do it i think that's a good idea yeah, I think that's a very good idea. Let's do uh, do it next week with um, Dr. Diane Eager, who is, of course, our sort of uh, medical biology expert. So she'll know a thing or two about uh, structural adaptation as well. And uh, let's let's do that then. OK, one final thing I'm going to comment before we close, because we are rather over time. But uh, this is happening tomorrow. Well, tomorrow for me anyway. Um, it's happening today or tomorrow or in three days time if you're in australia i'm not entirely sure where the time zones are in australia but for me this is happening tomorrow um for our american friends this is happening tomorrow it's being hosted by answers in genesis um you can see there the topic of the conference noah's ark and the global flood and you can also see a list of speakers and yours truly shall be speaking on well it's not really the global flood and it's not really uh, Noah's Ark it's actually I'm speaking on I was asked to speak on the Ice Age um, which we don't get asked to deal with too much in creation research um, but that doesn't matter there is definitely a connection to Noah's flood there and that's what I shall be discussing uh, tomorrow in a presentation so it's still not um, too late to sign up to that if you go to answersingenesis.org or just google answers in genesis it's on the front page there so you can sign up to that webinar and join me there tomorrow and i think that's uh, that's all that should be said it's been a it's it's been very very quick um tonight we've we've sort of flown through so um there's your little dose of politics of the week thank you very much it's been wonderful thank you everybody who's joined us and commented and uh, gone involved any last words john no, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, Ice Age one. But remember, those who uh, haven't got, haven't yet got it, Fire and Ice is our brand new documentary with you and Sarah and all of those. So grab a copy of that and it'll help you ponder on this issue. Now available in DVD form and you can see the uh, remnants of the Ice Age, the uh, glaciers and the lot. It's all there. So, yeah, and you can also, it's on our streaming site and everything. Just go to creationresearch.net. You'll see all of the, the details there. Well, that's it. We're over time. Goodbye, folks. Thank you very much for joining us. God bless. 